As we continue in our time, let me invite you to recite the Apostles' Creed with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Good morning. How are you all doing? Nice. Uh, my name is Marco. I'm the preaching and teaching pastor here at Storehouse McAllen. If you're new, thank you so much for hanging out with us this morning. Uh, one of the quick things I'd like to bring up is that I am actually not preaching this morning. Uh, what I'd like to do is introduce you to uh, a friend of mine. His name is Al Johnson. He is the lead pastor at the Well Community Church in San Antonio. So he's going to lead us in the preached word this morning. He's a great friend of mine. He is a great pastor to me or has been a great pastor to me. I am so glad that he is here. I am excited. I had the privilege of preaching at the well last week. He's also brought one of his staff members. His name is Matt Watson. He is also very, very awesome. You should get to know him. He loves talking theology and long hugs. Apart from that, what I'd like to do is uh, Al will talk, he'll do his thing, and uh, I'd really just like to pray for our time, pray for him as he, uh, man, leads us through the preached word. So join me in prayer and then we'll get going. God, we thank you for this opportunity to, to come together to worship you. We thank you for this opportunity, uh, man, to sit under the authority of the preached word. God, I pray that you would be at work uh, in Pastor Al um, as he shares what you have laid on him. God, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would be present uh, here this morning, working among us this morning, uh, ultimately to fix our eyes on Jesus. And God, I pray that as we um, examine and dive into your word, that you, Holy Spirit, would not just compel us, but that you would challenge us and that you would convict us of sin so that we would see that grace is ultimately our only hope. Um, God, I thank you for this time. Pray that you would be glorified, that you, Jesus, would be made much of. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Good morning. So uh, I met Pastor Marco, uh, like many of you have started relationships through uh, Instagram. Uh, we began our friendship uh, on Instagram by following one another. This was uh, maybe eight years ago. And uh, by God's grace and Instagram, we've become really great friends. This was before we were pastors. This was, this was long before that. And so uh, I want you to know that uh, Marco is a dear friend of mine. And I want you to know he, he's a, uh, a great pastor. I want to encourage you. I want to uh, tell you that uh, your, your pastor loves you. Your pastor loves you. He he cares for you deeply, more than you may even, even know. And so uh, you have a shepherd who watches over and takes very seriously what he does. And I've had a chance while I've been here to meet your, your staff, and you have a great staff. You are served well, so I want to encourage you. to. It's, it's, it's great for a, sometimes for an outside perspective to come in and, and see things and to go, hey, this is, y'all are a blessed church. This is great. 
So I want to encourage you first off there. Um, I have a, a wife and three kids. Uh, they're in, back in San Antonio, like Pastor Marco said, I'm the lead pastor of the Well Community Church. Um, we as a church love Storehouse. My family loves Storehouse. We, we love, we pray for you guys. And we're excited. Uh, uh, I'm excited to preach through the Apostles' Creed today. Um, do you believe it? Yes. yes. Amen. You can say that if you want. I don't care. Um, Everything up to this point, everything up to this point um, throughout the Apostles' Creed has been historically true, and historically, uh, everything is true about the Apostles' Creed, but it's been historically, um, it's happened, that's what I should say, it's happened. Uh, God the Father has created, we believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, or we believe that it has happened, creation's happened, we're here, we walk outside, we can see creation, we believe in Jesus Christ his only son, our Lord, we, he was already conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He already suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was already crucified. He was already dead. He was already buried. He already descended to the dead. He already ascended into heaven. Amen? Amen. It's all happened. Today, we turn our attention to what is to come. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. And so today, our main text is going to be in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And I want to encourage you, just like a teacher would, prior to starting maybe a college course or the first day of class, high school, school's coming up, so kids get ready. Um, if you remember this, right, you, you started, if you, especially in college, when you got your syllabus what was the syllabus? It was not things that have already happened. It was what's to come. And it was, in, in many ways, to prepare you for what was to come. And so if you were uh, a studious student, you, you prepared well for what was to come. And some people, while they have the syllabus, didn't look at the syllabus, didn't read the syllabus, didn't know, oh, I showed up on class day and we have a test. I didn't know. And I don't want any of you in here to be like that on the day in which Jesus comes back to come to judge the living and the dead. Like, I didn't know. We don't have excuses. If you run a red light or you were speeding down the highway and you didn't see the speed limit, you were still accountable, even in your ignorance, for, for going above the speed limit. You will be judged righteously and according to your, your works at that time. And so today, we, are, we do believe uh, in the second coming of Christ. We do believe that he will come to judge the living and the dead. And we're going to unpack why that matters so much. So I hope this prepares you, not only for uh, your, your week to come, but also it prepares you for eternity. We, we look forward to the day. Most of you don't look forward to being judged ever. We, uh, we, we boast often, and uh, only God can be my judge. And that's scary, and that's what we're going to get to today. He is our only judge. And so I w- it shouldn't be scary for the people of God. The judgment, the second coming of Christ, Jesus coming back to judge the living and the dead should not be a scary thing. should not be something we are afraid of, but rather for the Christians we rejoice and we long for. We can't wait. We ought to not wait so long for him to come back to judge the living and the dead. So we're going to explain a lot about why that's the case. So let's look at Matthew chapter 25. Starting in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes, that's Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him. 
Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Jesus is indeed coming back. And I want you to see he's coming in his glory. This word glory is, is not just the um, awesomeness. It is awesomeness. But this is a, a heavy, bright glory. This is the type of glory that when Moses asked to see God's face, God hid him so he couldn't be in his presence. This is the glory that, like Isaiah, when he came into the presence of God, literally became undone and almost died. This is the glory of King Jesus is coming back. He's coming with his crew, with his angels. He's coming with a team. These aren't angels like you would see in uh, the fairy tale land of these sweet little, these are warriors coming back with King Jesus. And they are glorious. And they honor Jesus. And, and, and they're coming back. They're coming. And Jesus will then sit down on whose throne? His. What type of throne? Glorious and awesome throne. And at this moment, Jesus will preside both as judge and king. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the judge. Jesus is both judge and king. This is the same Jesus, I want you to know, that we believe in, that we've, we've confessed, the born of a virgin Mary, the, the, the Jesus who was born in a manger, the Jesus who took on human flesh as a child and as a, then became a servant, who was this, despised by all men, who was, as the creed says, was crucified. He was rejected. He was despised, rejected, scourged, beaten, nailed to a Roman cross, killed, dead. This Jesus is coming back as a glorious, awesome king and judge. That's good news. The same Jesus is coming back, not this time though, as a meek lamb. He is. Jesus is on earth, he was the lamb, but he's coming back as a ferocious lion. No more lamb Jesus when he returns. I want you to see that. I want you to know that. When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back in meekness. He's coming back in glory. He's coming back in strength. He's coming back clothed in righteousness. He's coming back as a conquering king. Now see, before Jesus was killed, um, that's what, the, that's what these people wanted. That's what the Jews wanted. That's what they, they were, when Jesus, the Messiah, they recognized him as a they, they wanted him to be conquering king. We're at the, at the well going, journeying through the gospel of John, and we've been in it for most of the year. We're going to be in it for the rest of the year. Um, but we keep seeing over and over and over that the crowds, the people want Jesus to be to, the king, to overthrow, and, and what they mean by overthrow Rome, liberate Israel. And what happens? Jesus gets killed. We're saying he's God. We're healing one. We're in, we, like, we, like I said, we've been in the, the Gospel of John. Jesus heals uh, Lazarus, raises a dead man, and then they plot to kill him. It's like the guy who cures, and there's no one who does this yet, I don't think, uh, but it's like the guy who found the remedy to cure cancer and all disease and, all, and everything. He finds it, he brings it public, and everyone goes, we should kill him. That doesn't, and, he, and they succeed. 
When we see this, we see Jesus willfully give up his life. I want you to know that same Jesus who willfully gave up his life is the conquering king that's coming back as a ferocious lion who is the conquering king. He willfully gave his life up. And he's going to willfully come back to judge the living and the dead. And so I want you to get a picture of this in your mind. I, I need, I'm a type of person that wants to see. I want to see it. I want to feel it. I want to, I want to, get, a, I want to get graphic in the imagery. I want to see it. And at Jesus' first coming, he says that he did not come to judge. He came to lay, give his life. He came to, not to just be served, but to, to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many, to give his life as an offering, to offer salvation and forgiveness. And when he returns, it will look different. There will be no offering of righteousness or, or offering of forgiveness when he returns. This is like when he returns, it's test day. From between here and there, it's time to prepare for that coming. And so let's look at Revelation 19. Verses 1 through 16. This is a picture of what the Apostle John saw of one of the pictures he saw of Jesus' second coming. His return. His coming to judge the living and the dead. It should be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, I didn't mention this. I'm so sorry. If you need one of those Bibles, uh, I think one of the ushers will bring one of those to you. Uh, If not, it's going to be on the screen. I apologize. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. When I saw, this is John, when I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. See, there's an exclamation mark. There's some, there's some uh, tenacity in this. The one sitting on it, on the white horse, is called faithful and true. He's referring to Jesus. And, is right, and in his righteousness, he judges and makes war. This is the judge. This is the warrior. This is the king that Israel was longing for. They just didn't know when he was coming. They, they got the wrong picture of the warrior Jesus. He's coming at the end to rescue his kids. He's not coming at the beginning. He came first to, to get kids, to adopt kids, to redeem a people. Now he's going to come back to rescue them. He's going to make war against his enemies. And his eyes are like like fire, flame of fire, and on his head many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood by the name of which he is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen and pure white. This is righteousness. We're following him also on white horse. He has an army with him. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which he strikes down the nations. And he will rule them with an iron rod. And he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want you to see this image and not be fearful of it. I want you to see it. I want you to believe it. I want you to glory in it. I want you to be excited about it. If you get excited for Braveheart, you get excited for movie, you get excited for 300, this is way better. This is awesome. I want you to know this. I want you to believe this. I want you to see, the, see glory. And I want you to glory in this. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to get his kids. 
that Jesus, he's making war against the enemies of God, those who oppose his kids. This is a loving father coming back to protect and rescue his children. And so for those of you who are his kids, you believe in Jesus, you know Jesus, you love Jesus, you follow Jesus, this should bring you great comfort and great joy that that war-waging King Jesus is coming back for you. Anyone who opposes you will be shut up. Anyone who opposes you will be stopped. No one, as Jesus says, can snatch you out of the enemy's, or out, of, out of his hands. He says Satan and demons and the gates of hell can't even stand against his church. Jesus is coming back for his kids. But if you're not a child of God, if you're not one of his kids, th- I, I'll agree, this should be scary. It's kind of like the test that's coming that you didn't prepare for. It, it will be fearful. There will be terror. But I want this to, to, I want you to, if you're not a child of God, I want you to become one. Not because you're scared, because Jesus is awesome. We're going to get into that. But this should do two things for the children of God. It should, one, yes, like I said, bring you great comfort, because this Jesus is coming back to say, to rescue you, bring you home and, into the new heavens and new earth and enjoy him forever. And I want you to believe this also, so number two, to allow it to put steel in your spine and give you confidence in his mission. And fathers, I wanna, if, if, you're, if you're a father, you want to be a father or one day, I want you to tell your sons about the Jesus who's returning also. The other day I sat down with my kids before dinner and I read this passage, read this to them. Before dinner, this is what, this is what we do at our house. Um, it, weird, cool, I don't know. I read this to my son, my daughter, my, my other daughter, and my wife, and, and, we, and then we prayed for dinner and then we talked about it. I want you to know, like, we, we uh, my kids are not Christians. My oldest is five, three, and one, so they're not Christians. And so I, I'm sharing this with my son. This is who Jesus is. This is, he's coming back. He's coming to rescue his kids and I'm pleading with him to become a Christian, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, not so that he's not, he's not eaten, just simply not eating up. I'm just going, this, look how awesome Jesus is. He came on a rescue mission to save you. This awesome Jesus who's coming back, sword, my son loved it, sword out of his mouth. He loves it. My daughter was like, dad, that's gross. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Uh, my son is like, no, this is awesome. That same Jesus, this conquering warrior king, willfully lay down his life to save us. He's not two different Jesuses. This is like the meek Jesus and then the, the, the conquering King Jesus. Conquering King Jesus laid down his life so he could save a people. And conquering King Jesus coming back to bring his people home forever. It's good. It's glorious. It's awesome. Tell your daughters this. It'll help them know that they have big brother King Jesus coming back to defend them, to protect them. In ways that no human could do. Jesus loves his kids, protects his kids, he cares for his kids. It's his job, his responsibility to save and to sustain. And that's what he's doing. So when we get a picture of this awesome, glorious Jesus warrior, what we, what we, we don't need to fear him if we're a child of God. We need to go, that guy's on my side. That guy's fighting for me. That guy today is defending me. That guy, the Holy Spirit of the, the same spirit that indwelled Jesus has been given to me to navigate everyday life. 
He is for me. He is by my side. This king of armies and angels and warriors is fighting with us and for us. And so Jesus is coming back for his kids. Verse 32. Before him, he will be, before him will be gathered all the nations. That very similar to that Revelation passage where they gather all the nations. But here we see uh, before Jesus, will, he will gather all the nations. And then he will, he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. What these are, the sheep are, are those who, who know Jesus, who love Jesus, who are Christians, who follow Jesus, who, who, who are his. Jesus says, my sheep know my name. They follow him. He, Jesus, throughout the Gospel of John, continually talks about he is the sh- good shepherd and that he has sheep and he's coming to rescue, save them. He's going to take them home. That's what he's saying here. I'm going to divide them up. The sheep, those who know me, love me, who are with me, and those goats who are not against me, who reject me, who oppose me, who are not with me. I want to separate them. So think about separating from Christians, non-Christians. Some people call themselves Christians. They're going to find out they, they may not be. The bottom line when I say Christian, what I mean those who know Jesus, love Jesus, have been saved by Jesus. And then what will Jesus do in this moment? He will then execute right judgment. And those, are, those who are his kids, I want you to see this. Those are who are his kids. Those who are the sheep. Those are his children. Those men and women. That judgment will be a blessing. That's what it is. We're all afraid of judgment. We're afraid of judgment. Not this ju- You should not be afraid of judgment from King Jesus if you're his kid. Blessing. Blessing. Honor. Inheritance. Here's what he says. The ju- so there's two different types of judgments that we're going to see today. The first one is a judgment. The, the, the judgment of the kingdom is a judgment of blessing for his kids. It's a judgment of blessing. Right here, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep who are on his right, the Christians, to those who know and love him, come, you who are blessed by my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the foundations of the world for the Christian, and we like to call it at the, uh, the, the well, the king's kids. The king's kids have access to the kingdom things that those who are not the king's kids don't have access to. If you're a child of God, you are the king's kid. You have access to Jesus' stuff. My kids can read my books whenever they want. They, can, they, can, they, they have access to everything that is mine. I have access to my gum, my money, oftentimes, right? We, like Children are, are Jesus' kids. We're the king's kids. I want you to see this. Jesus' judgment for his kids will be one of reward. It's, ju- it's, it's a righteous judgment. This should blow your mind. A righteous judgment from the ruling king of kings and lord of lords will say to sinners, reward, blessing, honor, power, dominion, inheritance, a kingdom. Right? That's what he says. The blessing is an inheritance, he says. An inherited, there you inherit, inherit, come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. He's been preparing this kingdom for you. If you're a child of God, he's preparing it. Since when? He just started, he just started whenever you showed up, you got to heaven, like, hey, thanks you for being here. 
I'm going to go, let me, give me five minutes, I'm going to prepare a room for you. Or, hey, I, I knew you were coming a week ago, so uh, I went ahead and prepared it. No, since the foundations of the world, since he said, let there be light, he's been thinking about preparing the kingdom that if you're a child of God, you will inherit. Do you believe that? When we say the Apostles' Creed, I believe that Jesus is coming to judge the living and the dead, we should rejoice. We're coming, because that will be a glorious day, we will receive an inheritance that we did not deserve. You didn't catch that. You didn't deserve that. It is His inheritance that He is giving to us, His kids. I want you to see it's a blessing that comes from a good and loving father, right? He says, come, you who are blessed by my father. By my father. King's kids have a, have a good father. Have a good father. And oftentimes on earth, in our time with a relationship with the father, more, time than, more, more days than ever, we've had uh, our, our country has more kids will go to bed without a father than any time in our nation's history. It's actually getting more. Every time that statement said, it's more. Before the, before the king's kids, they have a father, a good father who loves them, who sent Jesus on a rescue mission to die in their place for their sins so that their sins could be removed, wiped away, taken from them, not accredited to them. And then the perfect work that Jesus did, perfection applied to them given to the kids. That's what happens in my family right now. Right? All the work I do to make money and, and, and put food on the table, all those things, right? My kids, they don't earn that. They get the blessing of that. That is what it looks like in the kingdom of God. It's, it looks greater and glorious. We don't have to work to earn anything. We are given, the, my kids don't deserve anything. They don't. I love them so much. They don't. They really don't. They don't. But why do they get so much? Because they're my kid. I give my kids a different blessing than I do the neighbor's kids. Not that I don't like the neighbor's kids, but if I were to adopt the neighbor's kid into our family, the neighbor's kid would get the same blessing my kids get. I want you to know we were not his kids and he adopted us in the family, so we get the blessing of the kingdom. And it's coming. It's coming to you and I if you believe. So I want you to believe this. All that's Jesus's is ours. Do you believe like that? Do you live like that's true? I don't mean to put it this way. How would you live differently if you truly believed Jesus was coming back and was going to give you an insane inheritance? I'll put it this way. Um, let me ask you this. If right now, after the, right now, after, and I say, I'm a multi-billionaire. I'm not, but what if I said that? And I said, hey, every single one in here. Today, credited to your account is one, every single one of you, $100 billion. And it was true, and right, and you, walk, you walked out, it wasn't fake, and this was actually the real thing. I know it's hard to imagine because I'm not a billionaire. Um, but imagine if that was true. And, and then you walked out, you checked your bank account on your phone, and it was true, and you called, and you, you verified everything possible. Like, it's true, you were a multi-billionaire. And you walked out of here, and you went to lunch. Would you act differently than you would right now going to lunch afterwards? Probably. You might buy food for everybody. 
You might be very generous. And, and it actually wouldn't cost you very much to, to buy the whole you know, room, a restaurant, a little, little lunch, right? $100 billion each one of you are like, we don't need to bless one another. We need to go, we can bless other people because we, uh, together we have hundreds of billions of dollars. It would be insane, right? You would live differently. What if you drove out of here and you got into a wreck? You'd probably buy their car and your car and fix everyone's car. You would start, act, I say this because you would act differently, live differently if you, were, you somehow came into an awesome inheritance. Now, it would be some of you who, who lack faith and don't believe and would say he's a liar and you talk to your, your bank on the phone and, and all these things. You know, I don't believe it's true. And you'd walk out here, though a billionaire, and live just like you live now. It's possible to disbelieve. It could be actually true that $100 billion is accredited to your account and you don't believe it while it's still in your account and you don't access it, you don't use it, and you don't live like it's true. Sadly, that's how most of us live. That all that is Jesus, we, we profess it, confess it with our mouth. He's coming back, judge, living that. I actually believe a lot of these things that he's saying. But I walk out here and live differently. I'm not just talking about money. I gave you a money example because you would all listen. <laughs> Everything that's Jesus is ours. The same spirit that empowered him for ministry is yours. He's fasting for 40 days in the wilderness. Satan himself saddles up his horse, comes to Jesus, and Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit that, that he overcame temptation is yours. Do you live like that in moments of temptation? That king of kings, lord of lords, sword coming out of the mouth, blood drenched in, uh, robes drenched in the blood of his foes is with you in that moment to empower you, to bless you, to honor God, and to serve others continually. If we would do that, if you got more money in your bank account and you would all of a sudden become more generous, we should know this. You have far more it's not about money. You have far more riches in heaven and, and, and now that are yours in Christ Jesus. You have more family, more money, more people, more everything. Jesus says to Peter that it, when you follow him and when you forsake others, you gain a hundredfold. Families, mothers, brothers, sisters, stuff. He adds with persecution. He said that's not, a, that's not a deal breaker. You shouldn't keep going. Jesus is with you. Now, Let's look at verse 35, because that is the way of the kingdom. Understanding what will be ours. We confess this. We believe in the, the Apostles' Creed. We believe that Jesus is coming. Uh, we believe in God the Father Almighty. All the things in, in, in the Apostles' Creed, and that should not just, we're not just intellectual knowledge that we know. That should empower us and change us on how we live. Jesus' return and the inheritance you will receive, the, the, the proclamation of son, daughter, inheritance should change the way you live now. So I'm telling you about the future so it changes the way you live now. Because Jesus says, verse 35, it's the way of the kingdom. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when, did, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly, I say to you, 
as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. I want you to see this. The righteous will say, Lord, when do we do this? Not that they didn't do it, that they did it and didn't realize they were doing it for Jesus. What, I want you to see this picture. If you're a child of God and you understand the blessing that's coming from God, your inheritance, the new heaven, the new earth, the enjoying of Jesus forever, so even if they kill you, it'll be better. I want you to know that if that's true, it changes the way you live your life so that the way you interact with others is different. So much so like someone's sick, you're visiting them. Someone's in prison, you're there to comfort them. You're comforting the family. You're caring for people in different ways than you would if you weren't a king's kid. Someone's in need and you meet their need. And maybe you don't have a billion dollars in your account. You, you can't do it, but you find ways to care. You find ways to, to maybe listen in a conversation, to extend grace, to if you have an opportunity to to show love or serve one another you do it not to earn something because you've earned everything you have everything jesus earned everything for you so it should change the way so if someone has offended you someone has sinned against you you should extend the same grace that the lord jesus extended to you massive awesome the more you understand that truly convinced the more we understand that reality, the more we will live in light of that. It's just like me saying you have $100 billion in your bank account. The more you actually believe that, the more you'll actually live like that. And I'm not saying be selfish. I'm saying be generous. Understand this. C.S. Lewis says this, that there are no mere mortals. It's not just humans. They're not just, we're not just mortals. Yet you have the living and the dead. Jesus comes back to judge both. They're not just, we all have souls. We're eternal beings. That's what he means. Uh, we are eternal beings. So when you meet a human, another human, every single one of you in here and every single one out there and in this city, in this nation, in this state, they're not mere mortals. They're not just humans. They're souls, eternal souls. So Jesus is saying, when you do these to the least of me, you're doing it to me. Not that that's actually Jesus, but he's saying, you should do it like you're doing it for me. Everything you do for others should be like you're doing it for Jesus. So if the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, shows up and you knew he was there, you would have clothed him. You would have fed him. You would, have, you would, have, you would roll out the red carpet for him. He said in a, in, a, in a similar way, when you interact with everyone, you should do it like you're doing it for me. And he says the righteous will do that. His kids will do that. So this is, while this is a conversation that is to come, it's a, it's a position and an active way of living in the kingdom that happens in the present. This is speaking to what is to come, meaning we are in it now. We will welcome, or do we welcome the stranger? Do we clothe the naked? Do we care for those who are in need? I want you to know that salvation is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't receive it. Or you can only receive it. You can't earn it. Grace is a gift that should be extended continually. So we should continue to extend the same measure of grace that Jesus had on us to those we interact with on a daily basis. That is the way of the kingdom. That is the way of Jesus' kingdom. A life that is uh, sacrificing, self-giving, self-sacrificing, self-serving others. We love one another, we care for one another, we serve one another in the same way Jesus loved, served, and cared for us. And the more we're aware of that, the more we're aware of what Christ has done for us, the more we'll extend it to others. And so seeing, I want to go back to this image of seeing Jesus coming, conquering King of kings, Lord of lords, sword out of the mouth, 
robe drenched in the blood of foes. See that same Jesus put steel in your spine to serve like Jesus. I want you to see this. We labor with the conquering king of kings, Jesus, with the sword coming out of his mouth. We labor with that king. But I want you to know we labor like the incarnate Christ. We labor like the meek lamb who laid down his life for his sheep. We lay down our life. Why, so why, did, why was Jesus so, why was he just so able to lay down his life so perfectly and, so, and give up everything while he was on earth? Because he was God. He was God. He was fully man though. You need to know that he was a man. We believe in Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, man, uh, human like you and I. Hebrews says he saw the joy set before him. He endured the cross. He looked to the future like we are to look today and see what is to happen, what is to come. And it should form, change the way we live to willfully give our lives for others. And as a child of the Most High King, we are ambassadors for this kingdom. I want you to know that. That's you. This is your kingdom. This, this is the, the kingdom that has come is yours. And the one that the new heavens and new earth will be is yours as well. We ought to love and serve like we're loving and serving Jesus. That is the way of the kingdom. So in the kingdom, there's great blessing for the children of God. And the way, because of that, it's changed the way we live and love and serve others and, and care for the city. But also, there's another type of judgment in the kingdom. And this, the second judgment of the kingdom is a judgment of curse. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked, sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do this to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but to the righteous into eternal life. I want you to know that there is a real judgment of curse for those who reject Jesus. I want you to see that. Some of you, th- you may have read that and heard that. Well, I read that as a list of to-dos, things I should do. I should feed the sick. I could, should care for these people. And if I don't do those things, I'm not doing it to Jesus. And then if I do those things, I will somehow earn access into the kingdom. That is not true. I want you to see both of them didn't understand that they were doing this unto Jesus. The point is that if you don't, if you reject Jesus, why would you live and like and, and love and serve one another as if each of you were like you would serve Christ? He's talking to people who rejected Jesus. The goats are the ones who reject him. They reject him, therefore they cannot love like Jesus. They reject him, therefore they don't see anyone like Jesus. They're selfish, they're self-absorbed. They only see themselves. It's impossible for them to please God because they don't have faith. So the way they live their life is proof of that. It, it, it is a, it's like a, a, a fruit on a tree. Fruit doesn't have to work to produce. It just has to be. Branch has to be in the vine. God waters the earth. 
soil produces fruit. This is, this is an analogy for us in the kingdom and the king's kids, his family. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And when we are, if we live apart from him, we can do nothing. But if we, can, if we stay tethered into the vine, if we abide, we remain, we can't help but to produce fruit. So when you reject Jesus, you reject access to the vine, and you reject nourishment, you re- reject life, you reject eternity, you reject reward, you reject blessing, you reject, namely, who is all those things? Jesus. And when you do that, you live like you are king of kings and you are lord of lords. And so when someone is sick or someone is in need or someone, you, you don't care in the same way the people of God ought to care because of, in light of what Jesus has done for us. I want you to see this. This is not a, a list of to-dos to earn your way into the kingdom. This is Jesus saying that the way of the kingdom is, is sacrifice and service of, uh, as if you're serving King Jesus. And you have to know Jesus in order to want to do that. And it's not that Jesus is saying that. I want you to know this. We are all, the sheep and the goats, both of them, born, not knowing, not loving, not caring, not serving Jesus. This is not like there were good people and bad people. They're just people. They're all, actually, if, there's, if you want to go good and bad, we're all bad. Jesus is the one good, and he's coming to rescue And so this is Jesus speaking to a people who said, I've come come to rescue you. I came to save you. You rejected me. You rejected me. How do I know you rejected me? The fruit is is clear. You, You don't produce the godly fruit. When we reject Jesus as Lord, or as his lordship, his headship, it's evident in our life. And I need you to know that. I need you to know this. Jesus, some of you think that Satan rules hell. I would ask to raise your hand, but I don't want to do that. Most people think that Satan is a ruler of hell. He rules hell. Satan is a demon. Who's getting thrown there? Satan and his angels. Who's ruling hell? King Jesus. I want you to see that. Conquering king of kings, slaying his foes. He is ruling heaven and hell. Jesus is ruling hell. He is ruling, he is overseeing, he's actively involved in the torment and punishment of those who reject him. I don't like hearing that. I don't either. I don't. Jesus is, he rules over it. That's what it says. It's his kingdom. He's pronouncing judgment. He says to these, go into eternal punishment. We saw in the other chapter that like a wine press, he's going to smush though his enemies like grapes until they burst out. Like that is insane. That is, that is crazy. Just the imagery. You don't talk like that in church. Jesus does. He's telling you, I'm coming back. Judgment is going to look like a blessing for some. It's going to look like condemnation and curse for others. And once you know this, friend, if Jesus, did, if God the Father did not spare Jesus, when he came and gave his life for you to save you, if he didn't spare King Jesus, the perfect person, perfect man, sinless, if he didn't spare Jesus, why would he spare you? Why? Why? He gave you the remedy. He gave you the, 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 the atoning sacrifice. He gave you the way. He poured out, it's what Jesus, God did. He pours out all of his wrath on Jesus. Jesus is standing in your place for your sin. You rejected that. Guess what you get? All the wrath. 
Like, don't be stupid. Like, I feel like you, you got to say it that way. Jesus' righteous judgment on those who reject him, the only difference between sheep and goats are that Jesus was the wrath removal for the sheep, those who believed. Like, they... Let me put it this way. You walk outside, it's raining. Does it rain a lot here? I don't know. It doesn't rain very much in San Antonio. Uh, if it rains, pouring down rain, say it's like uh, hurricane-style rain, and you all walk out, and one of you, and you, like eight of you got the umbrella, and some of you are like, hey, get under my umbrella, and you have the one guy, uh, probably like a you know, college kid who walks out there, and he's like, I don't need this. I'm from, I like the Pacific Northwest. It rains there, but not like it does here. And it's like pouring on him, and he comes in soaking wet. Oh, I just got so wet outside. Like, well, we handed you an umbrella, and you're like, yeah, man, uh, I thought I could handle this, right? And, and he's soaking wet. No one has, like, pity for the dude who didn't take the umbrella out when it was pouring rain. Warning, Jesus is coming back to judge the living and the dead. He wants you to be his, his, his son. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants you to know him. He wants you to love him. He wants you to be a recipient of his grace. He's actually loved you so much that before the foundation of the world, he prepared a place for you. But he also came to earth and sacrificed himself in your place for your sins. It's already done. He's like, that's like handing you the umbrella to walk out in the, the storm. It's yours to believe or to reject. And on that day, if you reject, you're going to be like the guy going, hey, when was it raining? When did you hand me the umbrella? When was I supposed to do this? And Jesus said, when you didn't do, this is the point. It's the warning. He's telling us. And so I want you to know that the wrath of God is real. And we shouldn't marvel. And I think we get, we, we get really upset when people talk about the wrath of God, punishment of sinners. And we marvel at that. Like, oh my gosh, God's so mean. Why would he do that? Stump too. Um, because none of you think you're good. None of you do. Some of you think you're better than the others, and that's a problem. But like most of you don't think you're good. You don't, like, yeah, yeah, I've got some problems. i got some problems. i got a couple, five. I wish I could change this and it'd be better. Like we all think to some degree that we're not good. No one walks around going, I'm perfect. What if I could offer you a way to be perfect, a way to be made righteous, a way to be like Jesus? And, he, and you're like, no, I don't want to do that. That's the point here. All right, we don't want to. Okay, let's move on to those who do. I want you to know, Jesus' punishment is real. It, 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 it's also eternal, forever. And I want you to know, Jesus' punishment, in, in him ruling over hell and ruling over punishment forever, it's what people actually deserve. We shouldn't marvel that there's going to be eternal punishment. We should marvel that there's going to be people who are eternally righteous. That's awesome. That's, in, that's, that's like... How do you understand that? No one in here believes that they're righteous and perfect. But God, if you're a child of God, when, when, you, when Jesus returns, he's looking at you and going, righteous, come into my kingdom. You're like, but I've sinned. Yeah, I know. Jesus paid it all. He atoned for it all. You're coming in, meaning your past, your present, your future sins, absolved, dealt with, done. There's, for, if you're a child of God, there's no more wrath from God the Father towards you. It's all been removed. All, even in your sin, I want you to see this, even in your sin, God the Father looks upon you with great delight and joy and gladness, even so much to say he's proud of you. But he's proud of my sin? 
He already dealt with it, dude. He dealt with it with Jesus on the cross. It's gone, removed, east, west, forever. So we should marvel not that there would be punishment. We should marvel that there would be those who are made righteous, that Jesus would actually save. That should draw us. If we're not a Christian, don't believe in Jesus, don't know Jesus, not not come near to him because if we're afraid of his wrath, which is scary, but we should see, come to him because of all the grace in which he wants to extend towards you. His love in which he wants to lavish upon you. There's no one in human history, your boss, your family, your friends, no one, your spouse, no one can lavish the love and grace on you that you want and desire other than King Jesus. You stop trying to get it in your spouse. Stop trying to get it from your coworkers. Stop trying to get it from your boss. Stop trying to get it from your friends. Stop trying to go to those places Run to Jesus and let him continually lavish his mercy and grace on you. For the Christian, keep doing that. For the non-Christian, do that. That's what you're made to do. There'll be a love that you receive. A satisfaction that you long for. And I want us to see, when, as we begin to close, at the cross of Christ, on the cross that Jesus goes to, the one we believe is crucified, dead, and buried, on that cross, I want you to see God's mercy and God's justice are colliding. Ever seen like a two cars wreck? It's like that in an awesome, glorious way. God's mercy is going to be extended towards sinners. Why? Because his justice, his right judgment and justice is going to be poured out on Jesus Christ's son. So when Jesus is lifted up and crucified, God the Father in that moment is pouring out on Christ the Son what you and I deserved. Pouring it all out. All the wrath, all the judgment, kind of what hell's going to be like forever, Jesus is experiencing on the cross, willfully, for you and for I. And that we see God's just, God is not just saying, I forgive you all. If I steal $100 from you, $200 from me, $1,000 from you, and you say, oh, I'm forgive you. I forgive you, Al. I forgive you. Awesome. You still still came at a cost. Justice was not served. God forgives us only because justice is served. Jesus hanging on the cross. Justice is served with Jesus dying in our place for our sins. God, we deserved the wages of sin is death. Romans three twenty three. Right. Romans three twenty three says the wages of sin is death. If you and I, when you work a job, when you get paid, you work 10 hours, $10 an hour, you should get $100 after that if taxes aren't taken out, right? $100. That's the wage you earned. We earned death. Jesus took death for us. We earned the shedding of blood. Jesus took it for us. Mercy extended in that moment. Grace extended in that moment. Pardon, forgiven, forgiveness extended in that moment for those of you in here who feel like you've outsinned God's grace. I need you to know that there's more mercy in Jesus than sin in you. I need you to know that all of God's wrath was poured out on Jesus and will not be poured out on you if you believe. I need you to know that there's so much more mercy in Jesus than you could ever have in sin. There's abundance, forget, infinite, eternal mercy. Also at the cross, Jesus suffered, and also he satisfied the wrath of God. Satisfied it. He dealt with it. It's done for you. I want you to see that is the judgment. 
of the Father. So for, for sinners, for the, the sheep, or like, I get to inherit all this. How did I do this? Like, I just oh, got in. No, Jesus stood in your place. He absorbed the wrath so you didn't have, he, he, he removed your sin. So the wrath of God is satisfied. God is no longer angry because he poured out his anger already. It's empty on you. It's still burning in eternity. And also Jesus suffered. His suffering makes a way for our souls to be satisfied. So you were created, you and I were created to know and love God. But because we rebelled against him, we, we, no, we no longer sought him, loved him, cared for him. We, we can't be eternally satisfied because we live lives apart from God. Jesus made a way that you can be eternally satisfied in the presence of God. Psalm 1611 says, in God's presence is the fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. How many of you want full pleasure and joy forever? Amen. Some of us there. Right, though? Who can offer you infinite pleasure and joy? Can you offer yourself infinite pleasure and joy? Can sin offer you infinite pleasure and joy? Can rebellion offer you infinite pleasure and joy? Can anything offer you infinite pleasure and joy? No, if you're not a Christian, I want you to see what Jesus offers is infinite pleasure and joy forever. In his presence, the presence of God, simply being in the presence of King Jesus, there will be for those, his kids, a joy, infinite pleasure, infinite so that when you see Jesus coming back to judge the living and the dead, he's coming back on the white horse. We see it. He come, boom, for the child of God, joy. This is awesome. This is awesome. This is awesome. That's what he's offering. So the way into the kingdom or a way to become the king's kid, how do you do that? Some of you may be asking, well, okay, I get it. We're talking about this. I kind of hear this Jesus thing. How do I get in? Or if you're a Christian, how do you stay in? For if you're a Christian, how do you stay in? I don't need to know this. The same conquering king of kings, the Lord of lords, it's his job to finish what he started. Rest in that. You feel like you're a sinner. You feel like you've made a lot of mess. You feel like you're still screwing things up. Yeah, you are. Good thing you have the conquering king who's, who's pledged his allegiance to finish what he started in you. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. Don't condemn yourself. Rejoice in that. He doesn't condemn you. So why do you condemn yourself? Don't. Rejoice in that. And from there, Get in community, walk with one another, and then walk in Jesus' word in ways not to earn anything, but because you're a king's kid. You act differently in the kingdom. If you're not a, if you're not a king's kid and you want, you want in, stop trusting in yourself for salvation. Some of you don't even believe in God, the Father Almighty. That, I mean, well, you can start there. Do you believe in him? Do you believe you're a sinner and you need a savior? Do you believe all that? If you believe the trust in Jesus, then how do you get access into the kingdom? Stop trying to get your way into the kingdom. Give your life up. Give your sin up. Hand your sin to Jesus. And stop trying to hold, it on, hold, it, hold on to it yourself. Stop trying to fix your life yourself. Live your best life now. All those stupid things. Stop doing that and trust Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let him carry you home. It, my, my children, they're, when they're, they're, they're uh, three, three, five, one. Uh, but my five-year-old, sometimes, he, he, we, we, in the airport the other day, we're walking so much in the airport. He got really, really tired. My legs hurt, Dad. I can't do this anymore. Carry me. Some of you are really tired of carrying your sin. You're really tired of, of trying to earn God's love. Stop. Let Jesus pick you up and carry you. Carry you all the way to the terminal. Carry you all the way into the airplane. Carry you all the way home. That's his job. Let him do his job. Your job, surrender. Your job, let him carry you. Some of you are too proud to let someone 
work on your behalf. And if you are, you will never know the love of Christ. Give your sin to Jesus. Let him remove it. Give your life to Jesus. Let him make you new. We're going to respond here. Respond in a couple ways. Number one, we're going to, here in a moment, we're going to we're respond by giving of our tithes and offerings. When we give, we give to Jesus what he's already given to us. We give as his kids. My kids, uh, when they, they, my son, I give him, I give him gum often. And he generously gives to others, his, his, his siblings. I want you to know that he's giving. Like my son gives to the ministry of the gum chewing in the family. So we as kids give willfully, saying that Jesus, this is truly yours, not mine. Not because I need to earn your love, not, to, not because I need, you're forcing my hand. Like, I love you. I want to give so the mission continues. Then after that, we're going to take communion. And we get to remember this, this sacrifice of King Jesus that we talk so much about. And we get to rejoice in that. And then lastly, at the end of our time, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I want you to know, I want to encourage you, when you sing today, sing like a king's kid. Give like a king's kid. Take communion like you're a child of God. No longer slaves to sin, no longer orphans, no longer goats, but sheep. You're a child of God. Sing like you mean it. Sing like you're, you're saved. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love that you would send Jesus to save us. We glory in that. We glory in his return. We believe that Jesus, you will come back to judge the living and the dead. And we rejoice in that. We rejoice in the blessing and inheritance we get. We ask that I would empower us to live like your kids, serving and heralding and, and being ambassadors for you in this city, in our lives, in this world, in this state, in this nation, until you return. We long for that day. And for those of us who are struggling to believe, Lord, grant us belief. Grant us faith. Grant us sustainability. For the doubts we have, we ask that you answer our questions. Holy Spirit, I ask that you attend to the needs in the room. And God, as we get ready to to give of our tithes and offerings, I ask that you would grant in us a heart that is generous. Grant us a heart that uh, has faith. Grant us a... Jesus, you said it's more blessed to give than to receive. truly is. It's more happy for us when we give them and receive. Help us to be happy in this. For those in the room who struggle with, with, with giving and, the, and God, they know that you're calling them to give today, grant them joy in this. Just like the joy we'll receive when Jesus, you return. Jesus, all we have is yours. And so bless our time as we give offering. May this be continual worship. In Jesus, your name I pray. Amen.